So I'm starting to read this book. Well, go through it on Audible. Um, it's called Unclobber. It's it's. I heard about it through a group that I'm a part of. It's kind of like a. I don't know what you call it. Um, a group that sprung. It's like an LGBT group that sprung out of a um, religious group. I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. Um, let me. I'm trying to get into Audible. Please don't kick me out, Audible. All right. So I've got 6 hours and 22 minutes left. I'm on chapter... I'm at the end of chapter 4. It's called Unclobber. U-N-C-L-O-B-B-E-R. Rethinking our misuse of the Bible on homosexuality by Colby Martin. Forward by Glennon Doyle Melton. Read by Paul Balmer. Um, so this kind of takes, like, a religious background of, I think, about six verses in the Christian Bible that talk about, uh, topics related to homosexuality, and it kind of talks about, um, just in general, um, maybe some misunderstandings and misinterpretations and misuse of those verses. Because, you know, not everything in the Bible is like completely sound and taught traditionally as is. Some people take things literally when they read it in the English or whatever language and they're just like, this is just what it is. And then when you look more into the theory and the history, you do find that there are certain things, like say for example, if you even take away from the topic of homosexuality, look at the topic of something like Lucifer or Satan or the devil or whatever you want to call it, that term Lucifer um, and how people say the morning star at one of these verses refers to Lucifer and then is Lucifer even really, like, a thing? Um, is hell even, like, a thing? Like, these are questions that are valid. Like, when you look at the history, it seems like there is some backing for people saying that, you know, somebody just kind of put that there. You know, somebody just interpreted one thing as some other thing, and then people started teaching it one way. And, you know, the term homosexuality is kind of one of those things, too, where it's like, it's not that big of a theme in the Bible, as much as you would think people talk about it so much at churches and stuff. 
and you see it in the political realms and everything, it's really not that huge of a topic. It's more like Western prejudice. It's more that, I mean, if you look in time, back in time, um, during the slave days in the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, I don't know, it was kind of slave days, like, the whole time since people started coming over, um, but, you know, people use the Bible to talk about slavery, to push slavery, in that method that they were using, um, and, you know, the Bible does talk about slavery, but it's like, basically after seven years, your slaves are technically supposed to be released. It's not like you keep them forever and, like, justify scientifically or biblically some way of treating people like animals and working them to death and, like, misusing them and mistreating them and, um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't like to, like, make, you know, excuses for slave owners. Like, I'm pretty sure there were some decent ones um, who kind of understood that, you know, these are humans or, like, you know, they're an investment. You got to treat your investment well. You can't just, like, be abusive like that. But, I mean, overall, the idea in the United States wasn't, like, treat your treat your slaves kindly. Like, that wasn't, like, there's so many laws against against things and so much prejudice that was backed by religion and nowadays you know we look at that and we're like there's no way I would like read a bible or any religious scripture and be like oh yeah I should be able to own people and you know enslave them and like treat them like absolute crap and abuse them and torture them and all this kind of stuff like we would all be like yeah that's that's wrong I don't think anybody would any sound-minded person wouldn't really try to justify that with the Bible. And I think we've kind of come across a time in our history, in modern times now, where people are looking at more terms, more areas where it's like, did did the religion get this part wrong too? Because they got a bunch of other stuff kind of twisted around so this book is kind of going into that. Now, I don't really know um, if I'm going to go chapter by chapter or idea by idea. Um, this podcast, I've noticed that the topics on religion don't do very well. And I kind of know why, you know, I get it. But I also would rather post this here than on the podcast where I talk about religion. Because to me, I feel like if there's LGBT people listening to these topics that come from like a Christian background, they have very, they're very well knowledgeable about what most Christian leaders will say about LGBT people. Um, it's very hard to find affirming congregations, affirming safe spaces. There's kind of like the tolerance communities where it's like, yeah, we're going to treat everybody fine, but 
certain people, you know, if you're like two men who are married with like a child or something, they're not going to let you like be a deacon or hold a position or things like that usually sometimes or usually or if you're like a trans person they might not let you like be on stage dressed you know in like however you're comfortable dressing and looking like that's very rare to to really find um I'm not saying it doesn't exist because I've been to churches where that exists and I appreciate it but overall that's not common overall people want to you know, not let those people have equal rights in the church or, you know, there's no equality for those people. In the majority of the of the Christian world, you don't hear people, other than talking about, okay, like usually the message you hear is, it's wrong, but love them. It's wrong, but love them. But, but they don't really teach about, is it, is it wrong? You know, you don't really hear those conversations too much you hear arguments and you hear politics about it but you don't hear really a lot of religious leaders and people talking about that because it's unpopular um something interesting was this article about the catholic church recently around christmas having this uh visual of two Marys. One was Caucasian looking, one was kind of a black looking lady, and there was a baby Jesus. And they said that it was, you know, kind of a tribute or a um, reference to Italian society where a lot of, you know, LGBT mothers had their children taken from them probably because of the combination of politics and religion um so they kind of brought that to the forefront and it caused a lot of chaos you didn't really but you didn't really hear too much about it a little bit but not too much so that's kind of where we landed with all that um but I'm gonna see if I, if I'm gonna keep recording about this book, I mean, I listened to a lot of it last night, most of the first almost four chapters last night while I was like falling asleep. So, um, I know I've read, read it or read at least the beginning of it before and you know, the group I'm a part of, you know, because, you know, originally I was raised in, like, a religion that I don't really agree too much with the religion on a lot of things. Um, I kind of have found my own path with some similar values, but there's a lot of it that I'm like, this is toxic, I don't really need it in my life. And I like how the beginning of this book talks about topics surrounding fear you know like I'm still very connected to the religion I was raised in I live with people who practice it I talk to people who you know I grew up with since I was five years old second grade seventh grade 
all throughout my teenage years. I have a pretty uh, close local community of people that I grew up with in L.A. that are part of this strict religion. Or even if they are not currently practicing, we all grew up in it together. Most of the people I know in L.A., I, I was socialized into that group of people. And so... You know, it's just culturally part of my lifestyle that when I'm studying things, these are the kind of things that sometimes I like to pull from and challenge and deconstruct and look at because I know them more than any other thing. It's been like ingrained in me to know about this stuff. So I really try to understand it. Um, I've grown past a lot of the stuff that I realize is like control and manipulation and I've slowly been coming into this you know healthier method of interacting with um a lot of this kind of stuff but it was kind of interesting like last night I don't know I got on this kick last night where I was kind of like looking at Amish culture dating practices and stuff and then I was like let me look at these Adventist courtship practices from the Adventist home book and like there was a phrase and there was like a sentence in there that was like like a very fear-based sentence or like couple sentences that's like you know make sure that whatever you're doing in private you know you would want to think about some I'm paraphrasing you would want to think about if the angels were looking down at you and like writing writing in like the eternal book of life like whatever your actions and thoughts were at those times like kind of like trying to like tr like tell people like when you're dating like be careful and like be very afraid <laughs> like kind of like that you might make a mistake and these angels are gonna write down that you did some bad thing you know <laughs> it's like read that and I was almost like laughing because I was like that's the kind of stuff I grew up around and I'm like that is not healthy <laughs> you know it's not even the bible it's like some other book that's filled with that kind of message where it's like this is how you do it and if you don't do it this way someone's gonna write you up and then you're gonna have to answer to God at the pearly gates and they're gonna read you all your sins and you're gonna get in trouble for this and like you know how the heck is that supposed to help you with dating? You know? I mean, it'll help you with fear and shame and guilt and repression. I don't think it's going to help you with openness and healthy, you know, a healthy mindset. If you're just, like, fearful to even have, like, natural thoughts. If you're trying to just, like, only have thoughts that somebody else told you you should be able to have and avoiding all the other thoughts it's like what the heck like if somebody told you that if somebody just came up to you and was like avoid how you naturally feel because i i believe that you should only feel these kinds of feelings and i know that you're feeling this way or thinking about these things but don't do that because it's wrong and it's bad and in fact, in your eternal future, 
you might actually be damned if you don't follow my method. If somebody came and told me that, I'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? You know, but it's so easy to, like, read these types of, like, religious books and things and get, like, the fear of something in you and, like, you know, overall the church kind of takes that as, like, healthy to have, like, the fear in you. But I don't know. I've kind of come across this new interest in just Jesus in general. I feel like of all the Bible, Jesus is the one part that's, like, easy to tolerate, you know? It's, like, easy to kind of understand. It's like, Jesus was for the people. He had friends that were prostitutes. He didn't push people away, necessarily. He wasn't like, I don't like these groups of people. He wasn't saying, I don't like homosexuals. I don't like the LGBT community. I don't like black people. He wasn't saying that kind of stuff. You know, he was around all kinds of people. He was mostly concerned with the people who were shoving prejudice and, you know, political manipulation of religious kind of belief systems and using that to control the Jewish people. He was usually against them. And yeah, if he saw people doing stuff that was, like, causing, like, a blindness or a pain or something, or they're kind of, like, in some kind of habit where it's, like, this isn't a healthy lifestyle for you to do, he would maybe approach it and kind of talk to people through it. But he wasn't, He to me, he didn't seem very, like, he was just like, yeah, like, maybe you shouldn't be you know, doing things this way or doing things that way, but it was never, like, a prejudice against a whole group of people. It was more, like, individual people with, like, actions that were, like, impacting them. Like, it would be almost similar today, like, someone who's, like, addicted to some kind of drug. It's like, okay, maybe you need to go get help for that. Or someone who's, like, you know, having problems with, like, gambling or something or, like, having problems with, like, cheating on their partner. It's like, yeah, you should probably not do those kinds of things. Like, it's kind of stuff that's, like, that today we would kind of say, like, okay, just kind of trying to, like, put things in line and kind of, like, help people to have, like, a healthier life. But he wasn't just, like, you're gonna go to hell or whatever. Like, Jesus wasn't saying that to people. So it's kind of, like, I don't know. It kind of the beginning of this book kind of talks about that kind of concept of like fear and how there is a lot of this like fear based like message and it's so unhealthy I don't even know what else to say other than that it's, that it's not healthy to have that kind of weird fear placed on a person for somebody to be like oh like you know like just to avoid doing something because you don't want to go to hell is like you're not really not doing it you're just out of fear not doing it it's not like you've really changed it's not like you're really making a decision you're just out of fear of punishment 
and some idea of like eternally burning in a fire forever and ever just so you won't do whatever it is that somebody doesn't want you to do I mean it's kind of ridiculous it's kind of ridiculous um you know I have a hard time believing that it it sounds kind of silly um it's like I think people on earth can make their lives as good as they can for themselves and others around them and they don't need to be spending their energy on thinking about hell you know now I would like if people like Hitler and Stalin and those types of people if there was a hell for people like that I mean in my mind I'm like that sounds nice you know that they did so much bad like let them have that situation I mean if I if it were up to me I don't know like I think maybe I'm not that forgiving you know but I don't I don't think that you know the way most humans kind of live their lives is like I have a hard time believing in this whole hell part of things um and all that kind of like angels writing in some books about all your things and all that kind of stuff and like somebody's gonna put you on blast you know I don't know I don't know but um I don't really like making a big point out of those things because I'm like it's really a waste of energy and time to even think about it um but there is something to the misuse um I like how they say rethinking our misuse of the bible on homosexuality that's kind of what this unclobber book is about and you can already tell that there's misuse of a lot of stuff uh in the Bible, like when you start to study the history of why they chose certain books and why they chose certain interpretations of certain words, and then it started being taught in a certain method or like from a certain angle when it's like historically it never meant that. And so I'm pretty sure this book is going to go into that kind of thinking where it's like people were all taught this one way, but we kind of know there's another way so I don't know I don't know what you guys think about that um I'm um, it's pretty flexible um with things I might record more about it, maybe a couple times, just in case people are interested in this topic, I feel like it's worthwhile. I'm using my uh, Audible free trial, free month trial, one month trial, um, for this book, because I got like a one book, Um, so I'm like, let me just use this free trial, and so I'm glad I saved it. And didn't click it earlier, because when I got that email from the group that I'm a part of, um, and I was like, shoot, I remember that book. And I had it when I was in San Diego. I 
ordered a free copy of it, actually, and then, um, you can get a free copy of it, at least at the time I had it, you could get a free copy, I got a free copy mailed to my house, so if you're interested in this book, let me see if I can find a link to that, um, I don't know the denomination of the people talking in this book, that might matter to some people, um, but I think our LGBT community needs to hear these kind of discussions because it's not like there are zero Christians in the religion, uh, zero LGBT Christians. And it's just one of those things that, you know, I think the non-LGBT population wants to believe this stuff. They want to believe it. <clears throat> Um, I mean, the Bible's kind of a complicated thing. I want to say, I want to say one last thing, like, uh, for people who kind of know the Bible, you know, there's this, or even for people who don't, who just might want to know this piece, there is this story or, uh, recounting of, like, after Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, in Matthew and Mark and in Luke, but not in John, it's referenced the temp- the temptation of Jesus where he goes in the desert, gets tempted by Satan, and while he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan's kind of tempting him. Now, I think it was in Mark that it's just like a little paragraph without the details, but in Matthew and in Luke, there's quite a few paragraphs of details where it basically has Satan using biblical scripture saying things to Jesus like you should turn these rocks into bread because you're like famished, you know, and you're able to do that. And Satan quotes a verse that represents what he's trying to trick Jesus into doing. And then there's a second one where he's like, you know, takes him up to like a very high point and he tells him you should jump from this point because the angels are gonna, you know, uh, be able to kind of like take charge and, you know, keep you safe. I mean, he's literally quoting the Bible. And then Jesus is quoting the Bible back at him. So it's like, for people who do believe in, like, Jesus and Satan and all these kind of things, it's like, that's why these topics are so complex. Because it's like, you can have an argument with somebody saying, you know, the LGBT community is wrong because there's these six Bible verses that talk about something about it. And then you have people who maybe learn some other history and theory about it. And then they're like, well, I know the background of this and so now I know where it's coming from in the Bible or I can even use the Bible against those texts and there's always like these arguments where there's people using the Bible against each other and it's like ultimately it gets nowhere I feel like ultimately people believe what they're gonna believe no one gets like swayed I think people read into the Bible what they want to read into it and like, if they feel like reading it, 
they'll read it and it kind of reflects their beliefs. That's kind of how I see it. You know, the way a person reads the Bible kind of reflects their beliefs. Um, like, for example, I, I read a lot of Jewish history stuff <clears throat> or, or Jewish writings. I've read the Quran before and parts of it at different times. And I look at it from my own lens. You know, I'm not able to, like, really deeply jump into these other religions and, like, know all of what every single sentence means. You know, from their perspective. It's like, I'll read it and I'll be like, oh, this is what this means. And then if I were talking to, like, an actual Muslim person, they'd be like, no, that's not what that means. Like, it actually means this. It's like, there's no way I would have come to that conclusion unless that person told me. It's like just from my own reading and my own lens and my own experiences and my own cultural background, I'm just not going to see things the same. And when you take a majority culture and have them reading the Bible and making all the rules of society kind of based on this Bible, they're going to look at it from a majority lens. In all honesty, if you have cis, straight, white males making most of the rules... They don't care about all these other groups of people. They want to have the power. So they're not going to care about women's rights. They're not going to care about LGBT rights. They're not going to care about ethnic minority rights. They're not going to care about people of different language backgrounds or people of different ability backgrounds or different anything. You know, they care about theirs and their people, ultimately. And maybe they care. Maybe some of them care. But they're not going to make policies that are, like, equal you know, maybe eventually some of them, some of the policies get more equal. But it's like, if those are the people who are in power all the time making all these decisions, they're not really going to care, you know, about really protecting or having books like this where they can, like, promote it and push it and actually say something of value. Um, so, that's kind of my intro two cents. Um, I'll decide if I want to record more about this, but I'll post a link to the book. Maybe you can still get a, a copy if they still have free ones. And then if you want to review it or something, I'll see if I can find more information about that. Um, for people who might have an interest in that because it's it's important you know to some people it's important if it's not important to you it's not important to you some people don't want to hear at all but for those of, of us who are interested in these topics who might find it of value or who know somebody who could potentially hear about it I might record a little bit more on it um, and so it might be a spoiler of the book for the people who haven't read it but I'll still post a little I might not go chapter by chapter because I don't I don't know if I really want to commit to that I think they said the even number chapters are the chapters about like the biblical stuff and the odd number chapters aren't really so heavily based on like bible verses and stuff and 
So even if you want to read it and you don't really want to get all involved in all this Bible debate stuff, you can read it and not have to deal so much with that aspect. I know it's like a heavy topic. Even me, when I, you know, watch people of religious backgrounds, when they're like, the Bible says, and then I'll turn it off, you know? It's like, I love, like I mentioned, I like watching a lot of these ex-Amish, ex-Amish people talk about their culture and their, you know, their experiences when they were Amish. Um, Especially the ones who had, like, good experiences. I like hearing about that, too. They had, like, you know, overall good experiences, but they're like, ah, it was toxic, so I left. But then overall, they kind of had a good experience. Because that's something, I feel like it's, I'm, I relate to that a lot. It's like, yeah, it was a toxic community in the Adventist world where I grew up. But like overall, you know, it was it was a good experience. It's just I found a better lifestyle for myself without having to deal with those kinds of people all the time. Um, it just wasn't necessary. I mean, I live in Southern California. There's plenty of other people to find to talk to. It's not like I'm in the middle of nowhere where there's no other people. So it's like, why am I, like, doing this to myself? <clears throat> so. Um, it's kind of my general perspective. Um, but yeah, even when I listen to these Amish guys talking, you know... There's some of them that are like, I like the topic, but then when they're like, they're like, let me testify about what First John says or what the book of Acts says or whatever. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to hear about that. I just wanted to hear the story about your life. Like, I don't want to like hear you preaching and saying this is right or this is wrong. I don't want to listen to all that. Sometimes, a lot of times I don't have to be in the mood for it. I don't like the... I don't like how people kind of preach at people, and that's not what I'm trying to do here. But sometimes it's like, I don't know another style to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, I can talk about my own life, I can talk about my own understanding of things and my own experiences, which is what I do a lot on here. But I can't just like, this book literally is looking is looking at the Bible. Um, and so I don't know if it's going to be possible to talk about it without talking about the Bible at all. Um, but I know it's like a sore topic where people don't want to listen to it. And even I don't want to listen to it a lot of the times. I don't really like that style of communication, communication, like people preaching at me using a bible as like a weapon which is literally why they call this unclobber like you know to clobber someone is basically to beat them over the head with something right you take like a club or like a a big object and you basically are just like bonking someone heavily on the head with something and injuring them with it or like it's a group of people beating on one person or one person who totally just like beats up another person that's what clobbering means and so and they say you know in this book that like those six verses have been used or those six sections have been used to clobber the lgbt community and so the purpose of this book is to unclobber 
to reverse some of that method of thinking by looking at the Bible in a way that takes away that kind of misuse that's been in Christian history for, I don't know how long, um, maybe not always, I don't really know, um, it's evolved, I don't really know the the deep history, but it's evolved, because I feel like at other times, you know, in history, you know, the mainstream American Christianity wasn't concerned about this as much as they were about some other kinds of topics but it was always there it was always there like even when you watch movies from like the 1800s about the 1800s or the 1700s and you see like church scenes and stuff it still comes up you know they're always concerned with fornication and adultery and homosexuality it's like they're preaching about that all the time and it's kind of like I made a point I kind of always make this point where I'm like why don't they talk this heavily about gossip? Why don't they talk, like, have sermons every week about, like, the pain and the destruction that gossip causes? That causes more problems than mostly anything in church communities. Gossip, um, just toxic people being leaders and getting away with all kinds of nonsense. Um... The politics in the church, those are the topics that people need to be talking about almost every week, not about all the sexual stuff. I think the sexual stuff is, like, not a big deal. Um, I think it comes from a place of prejudice and other people having so much shame because they were taught that way. This is my opinion, that they were taught that way to be so ashamed about any kind of sexuality that when they become a leader, that's kind of all they can think about is sexual stuff. And so all they want to do is, you know, condemn anything that, you know, they think the Bible can be used to kind of, like, focus mostly on sexuality. They call it, like, sexual impurity, sexual immorality, and all these kind of things. It's like... Why do they need to be focusing on people's sex lives so much? Like, they need to be focusing on just, like, general social interactions. You know, boundaries. (laughs) That's a good topic. Um, Who somebody's sleeping with, you know, if they're not married to them, how is that the most important topic? Like, I don't see how that is such an important topic. It's not that important, is it? I mean, if I have, if I stay home, if there's 10 people I know that are my age, if I stay home and I invite a friend over and we're both at my house and we're watching a movie and then there's eight of my other friends who all go to a club or somewhere, they go out of town, they go down to TJ in Mexico and like they want to go party. And they all find a random stranger to hook up with. Eight of them go sleep with a complete stranger that they're not married to. How the heck does that have anything to do with the quality of my weekend? With anything that's going to help me, you know, in the next week 
to kind of have like good choices, you know, a healthy, balanced day. Because I have eight friends that went and had sex with other people. That I'm not even saying cheating. Like, they're, I'm not even saying they're cheating on their spouse or cheating on their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. I'm just saying they just went to have casual sex. Eight of them did, two of us didn't. I'm not saying this happened. I'm just saying, like, how the heck does that have any... How, how does that involve in any kind of lifestyle improvement to spend time thinking about who's having sex with who, who I should or shouldn't have sex with? If I meet some random stranger and I should or shouldn't hook up with this person. I mean, it's not like, I don't know. I don't think people are doing this so much that it warrants that much attention from the church environment. That they need to be talking this much about other people's sexual choices. Like, I I don't I just never understood why, you know. Um, But I think. Maybe that has something to do with it because so many people were raised around these ideas that it's like it gets passed down through the generations and all these generations just have this like obsession. The leaders have this obsession with teaching about sexual, in quotes, like the sexual immorality topic. They think that's the most important thing. Meanwhile, it's like, well, how do how do we how do we choose the right jobs in the right educational field to like pay the bills? Churches could teach about that. Churches could teach about, you know, resources in the community of how to get clothing or how to get toiletries for free or, like, food banks and stuff. How you can volunteer and contribute to your community if you have everything or if you just feel like contributing your time and energy. Those would actually make for, like, a better society you know, not just making a weekend choice of who you're going to sleep with this time. I mean, like, I don't see how that is such a such an interesting focus. I think it's it's attention grabbing. It's kind of like the news. It's attention grabbing. It's emotion grabbing. It makes people feel a certain way and you can make people feel embarrassment or shame or guilt. Like, it's hard to make people feel guilt about, you know, volunteering to, volunteering at a soup kitchen. Or make people feel, you know, a certain heavy burden and have it on their mind all the time to think about how they spend their finances and how that, you know, contributes to, like, a healthy family balance if the parents are, like good with their finances and learning how to be good with their money and debt or lack of debt like that's not as emotion grabbing it's practical skills and I think that's just not as attention grabbing and sometimes when people come to church they kind of feed on that drama too it's like Ooh, this is a topic that's kind of juicy. Like, it's juicier. That's a juicier topic than food banks and clothing closets. You know, like the free closet, clothing closet kind of places. And, you know, going to the elderly people's home and reading with them and talking with them and spending time with them and 
making sure they're not lonely. That's not emotion, attention grabbing. It can be, but it's not juicy. It's too, I think it's too action based. Um, and it doesn't promote em- enough shame or guilt or fear. And so people don't really preach about it that much. And it's kind of sad because it's that kind of stuff. You know, all those other things I mentioned and more that I think would contribute far more to society and people's, you know, helping people in the community. Or if you're that person who's getting that help or if you're the person who needs those resources or just kind of getting the gears turning. Um... And then people can, like, balance their lives because they're helping other people. There's something about helping other people that helps you to kind of balance your life. If you're responsible for giving people rides to and from a church service, you're probably going to have to get up earlier, get ready earlier, try to make sure you're on time. It does. I mean, they might not be on time, but you're going to be a little more accountable probably eventually. If you have responsibilities, if you're able to have the responsibilities where you can help you're going to be more accountable in other areas sometimes and then if you are the one who needs the help you're going to have access to knowledge about those resources and people who can help you because the church is talking about it more I think that's far more important than talking about like who's sleeping with people that the church doesn't approve of other people sleeping with it's like I don't see how that needs to be brought up so much but I don't know I don't know people think it's so important I don't I don't think it's important at all I mean I could get like the cheating part is maybe important to like you know promote better relationships like teaching about how to not cheat um but other than that it's like casual sex LGBT sexual relationships people doing all kind of just just general sexuality in general like I don't I don't think people need to be like talking about it as much as they do um there's other things to talk about and to think about and to promote but I don't know I think people just get a little obsessive about it because of the emotions it provokes too it's just like the news like they're not going to talk about like which students are like ranking nationally like you know this school got their test scores up and you know this city is now able to afford to better pave their roads like they want to talk about drama who's killing people and who's you know on trial now which president you know has an indictment and which war is happening and let's see all the pictures of all these bombs and stuff and that's what people want to tune in for they don't want to hear like good stories you know and I think with church it's unfortunately become that way too they don't want to hear good they want somebody yelling at them from a stage to make them feel a certain they want that feeling It's like, I felt something today. It's like, yeah, because this person is trying to make you feel all the shame and guilt. And, like, I'm not saying that there aren't topics where people need to, like, get them under wraps and, like, 
make sure that they're like you know having like appropriate you know behaviors and things but I really just think they take it out of hand and there's really it's really a problem I think like I'm not talking about any specific churches I'm just saying in general you hear more about this kind of stuff than you hear about those other topics I mentioned like if you were to probably do like a poll or a percentage it's like you know a lot of churches in general just want to scream and yell at people about you know don't do this or that or else you're gonna go to hell kind of thing um but also people show up for it so there's a population that shows up for it i don't think it's helpful or healthy either but we'll see more on this topic i gotta i gotta go get some lunch so i'm gonna stop recording for now but with that thanks for listening